Unsexy Business with Jamie Waller. Hi, this is Jamie Waller and welcome to my new series of podcasts called Unsexy Business. The podcast ties in with the release of my new book of the same name, details on that later. In this series, I'll be talking to a range of business owners and entrepreneurs. This isn't about Silicon Valley style corporations or the latest tech initiative. This is about traditional business models, thoughts and plans that could easily have begun in a pub or your own garden shed. Simple ideas that have become multi-million pound companies. It's these stories that interest me. From plumbers to parking, penny suites to second-hand cars, I'll be meeting the people behind some of Britain's most successful businesses. Welcome to Unsexy Business. My guest this week is Rami Ranger, the British businessman and founder of Sunmark, the international logistics and distribution company. He says he began Sunmark with just £2 capital in a garden shed. I began by asking Rami how he found the business landscape when he first started out. When we came in 1970, 71, there was 72, was a big influx of Ugandan Asian. They were expelled. From before that, uh, in 71 I came, Britain was very difficult, di- different, very difficult place also for immigrants because we had no track record of success. We are just immigrant, economic immigrants, you know, people were struggling, working in factories. They were all not very educated people. But then in 72, these people were thrown into Britain they were second generation. They had money. They were educated. They didn't want to come here, but they were forced to come here. When they came, they found the same position. They were not given jobs. So there is a pro- uh, proverb that if, when a bad employer doesn't look after his staff, staff goes and work for the competition. But in those days, even the competition didn't want us. We had no choice but to start our own business. That's why they bought corner shop, they bought newspaper shop, grocery shop, you know, uh, all small, small shop, you know, dispensaries, pharmacies, and all these things. Uh, so that's how we got into business, and I also got into business like that. That uh, Because when I worked for K- K- KFC, I was made redundant, uh, although I was the number one district manager. But again, <clears throat> the guy was a Scottish guy. He brought somebody from Scotland to work with him. Because I was number one, but the guy who, when the company became small, the region manager, regional manager, he was from Scotland. So he said, I, I'm going to make so many redundant, but the other guy, because he was comfortable with that guy. Anyway, so he did me a favor, actually. You know, there's a blessing in this guy. That's a joke. I would not have known better. Yes, Your, you know, happiness or the success is relative. You know, when I had 10 pounds in my pocket, I was still happy. You know, I would go to a cafe and enjoy my meal there. So when I have 100 pounds, it's just a happiness. Happiness is relative, wherever you are. I wouldn't have known better, but I was pushed into situation. I worked for Dixon, Curry's, and uh, I used to see, you know, a friend of mine gave me an opportunity to work with him in a freight forwarding company. But before that, I was number one manager of Dixon. I will show you my paper. I have always excelled because I knew that I have to be the best among the rest. I don't want to be mediocre. Something I, because I, you know, my own self-respect was very important. That people shouldn't uh, insult me or think I'm stupid or whatever. So I used to double my turnover from the previous year. But they knew, <coughs> my regional manager knew, that this guy is good. He will never let us down. So he will always pinch my staff. Whenever there was a trouble, they will take my staff. And I was very 
disappointed that I came with a plan that I'm going to do the window today and I'm going to do this. I'm going to, yeah, and suddenly I'm just serving customer. I don't have any time to do things which I wanted to do to improve. So I went back to him. All he said to me, do you know whose sign is outside? I said, Dixon. He said, then you will do what Dixon tells us, tell you to do. And I was, I was really crying when I left. And I was disillusioned already that here they don't value me. I, you know, I was number one. And you can see, if I was a mediocre guy, then I can understand. If I'm producing the best result, the most profitable company in the company, Yes, I quadrupled, uh, you know, tripled the turnover. I was so conscious. That, you know, that really, I said, I'm going to prove myself. Okay, going no problem. I, I start, uh, I started with freight forwarding company with a guy, and then I started my own. And uh, I realized that I have to give more than just moving cargo. So I will take very good care of them, you know, make sure they're all nicely packed. They're packed, you know, they're... Boxes are secure, put some cellular tape. If they got a suitcase, I will wrap them in shrink wrap. Something extra. You know, I used to say, anybody can sell McDonald's, but the one who will say, good morning, how are you, what can I... He will bring respect to himself, herself, and the establishment. So I did that. And then my business just snowballed in a CNN land. And I came across a lot of rich people because it's a service industry. You never change doctors, accountants, solicitors because they're service. You're used to the service. My job was to go and collect from various wholesalers, you know, <clears throat> not everybody has uh, everything. Uh, so I had to bring seven, eight profit, you know, center, sorry, suppliers. We load, we load 15,000 containers now, you can imagine, every year. In my life, I give people, now I advise to MBA student or whatever. I always say that before you decide to do your business, you work in that business first. You work for somebody of the, your chosen field. You know, for example, I want to be hairdresser. I won't start hairdressing saloon straight away. I should work five, six years with somebody, perfect my craft, have some confidence, and then you go and start your business. Because if you have no track record of, you know, for example, I work for Dixon and I work for Curry. I knew that I had the knowledge to give customers the best service and to retain them. And when I left my friend, I did not take his customer. That was wrong of me. I started, there's plenty of fish in the sea. I said, because he's a friend, I didn't want him to badmouth me in the front. I didn't. So I went, there were a few customers, one or two, but then I knew there's so much, the more doors I knock, the more business I'll get. So I started and with my own, you know, extra, which I say, well, I will give extra. You know, I won't take advantage of customer because I believe uh, first, you have to make customer, then profit. So I was very conscious that I have to attract my customer to my kind of service. And then if they get used to my type of service, uh, <coughs> reliability, efficient service, then they will forget if I charge them 10p extra or 20p kilo extra. So then they are just, you know, it's the, like brand. that You pay extra for brand, peace of mind. So I wanted to be a brand. I give five things to my people now. Then you have to first is the self-respect. Without that, you'll cut corner. Yes, because you must preserve your respect yourself by doing the right thing, coming on time, working hard. You know, don't cheating customer, don't letting them down. So you preserve all the things. Self-respect. It's up to me. You have to have a commitment. And I knew from the very beginning when I came 
that if Englishman works 10 hours, I'll work 14 hours because I have to compensate my drawbacks, you know, my handicap, my language or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's how in the corner shop we open our shops in the morning, 6 o'clock. By the time 9 o'clock he came, we had done 30% of the business. He left 5 o'clock. We stayed open at 8 o'clock, another 30% business done. In between, we were competing with him for 40%. So he had no chance to wind up and go. In the end, we were doing so well, then the supermarket, the petrochemical, realized that this is what is happening. Now the supermarkets are open, and now the Asian corner shops are not that many. Before, they were everywhere. So commitment is very important. Uh, work ethic is very important. You can't cheat your customer. You know, I'm already jack at approach. You know, my customer come, I have to sit down with them, I have to make sure that they can, if they order 200 cases, will they be able to sell 200? And I give them 20, they're not collector's item. So I make sure I'm not pushing them, taking, you know, and also make sure they got a good price, they're competing in the same market, and if I just take too much profit, they will not come back. So uh, work ethic is very important. You look after your staff, you look after your supplier, you look after your customer, because, you know, if I don't pay my uh, supplier on time, I will not get better deals. If I don't give customer a good deal, they won't be able to sell. And if I don't look after my staff, they'll keep leaving. They will not be uh, motivated because, you know, people say money makes money. I say money does not make money. It's people make money. I didn't have a penny. People will make money. My staff is the most important ingredient in my business. So we train them, we send them to uh, exhibition, we will sit down. With... So they are the investor of the business. So we look after them. The fourth one, you have to have vision. You have to look around what is happening. You know, you just can't be uh, <clears throat> close your mind. So when I was a freight forwarder, I had the vision because people were bringing product from various suppliers coming to me, shipping them. And they were having a whole lot of trouble. Some deliveries were not coming and causing me problem. I could not load the container without that delivery. And goods were coming damaged, short-dated. And I said, if I help them, I help myself. So there was a vision for me to help them, the supplier, that I'll try to source product for them. And that will help me and get the best freight bulk. But I had no idea that unwittingly I was eliminating 7-8 profit center. And, you know, these guys were now saving lots of money because, you know, they would have sometimes 10 suppliers. And now they were not paying for delivery charges. The goods were delivered to me. They were getting everything on time because I will tell the supplier I want delivery such and such date. So I could coordinate everything. And, <clears throat> and the most important thing, you make profit while buying. Now this guy was making profit by buying right and selling right. So there is vision. So I had that vision. And then I had showed another vision. I said, why people buy branded products? Then I realized brands are trust. You're listening to Unsexy Business. My guest this week is Rami Ranger, the founder and chairman of Sunmark Limited. On each job, I could make about 30 to 40 pound profit. It was a lot of money because there was a, uh, for example, you make 10, 20 p a kg, then you had documentation, which was just ten, 10 minutes job to do the airway bill, but we'll charge them 20 pounds for documentation. They had no idea what kind of documentation, the custom documentation, you know, it was just a jargon. We used, you know, documentation mean to raise invoice to this, this. so that was a neat 20 pound per job admin fee. So that's how we did 
you know, five, ten jobs a day, there's a lot of money then. And, you know, sometimes the job was so small and we could make money. For example, uh, somebody ship video. Uh, video airline will just charge you 10 pounds and we could charge the 45 pounds. He was happy. There's so many mm-hmm. companies. But, you know, it's like restaurants. There's so many restaurants. You've got to create, carve your own niche. You have to find your own type of people. Uh, and, uh, you know, like so many doctors, you will always have your type of customer. My customer was suffering because the distributor were not giving them service. So I said, if I help them, I help myself. And uh, I went back to suppliers. I said, your distributors are taking so long, and this, that, the other thing. And they said, do you have an account with us? I said, no. Will you pay up front? I said, yes. So I paid them up front. I even got a couple of percent discount for prompt payment. And I passed that on to my customer. They were over the moon, and they said, can you get me this? Can you get me this? Can you get me this? And before I realized, I was buying 5,000 different items, you know, not 5,000, different items. I realized that people come to Britain for what? British taste. They want British biscuit, British candy, British chocolate, British product. Who the hell is going to come to buy Chinese product in the UK? They'll be for the very low end of the market. You know, people who are buying... I will not be able to make a world-class company. I want to, you know, I want to sell what Britain is famous for. So that's my USB, US, you know, unique selling point, USB, that I sell British products. I think, number one, because I was born elsewhere and I was a very poor guy, uh, and when I came to this country, it was like a party. You know, Britain was a, a dream for me that I could get so much money, even if I worked as a car cleaner. The money I was getting as a car cleaner was a great deal more than I would have got as an officer in a thing. So I knew that there's an opportunity here. There's a lot of opportunity. And I, I, so I think that was driving forward that I wanted to prove myself to my family because of being the youngest, I was the black sheep of the family. So I wanted to prove to my other brother who done much better than the army officers and all that. So it would not have that fire in my belly if I was born in a rich family. If you want to grow your business, you can't be looking locally. You have to look globally. So I knew right from the very beginning, you know, and because of my business is such that I didn't want to sell British product to Britain. You know, there's no value because they're already saturated, there's always big giant sitting. So for me, I had to go where these, these guys don't go. And for me, it was very important to go to smaller countries like Malta, Cyprus, Gibraltar, Seychelles, Maldives, you know, Madagascar, where, uh, Caribbean, where the markets are very small and these people neglect them, they don't want to look. And they, because they can only take one thing at a time and I could take basket of product. So horses for courses, for me, uh, I never went for the big market because I also knew the big will have a big competition also. So let me look for the market which are remote, small, uninteresting, you know. Now, I, the, London has played a very important role because the centre of the world, a lot of people come here, people travel, you know, and I, communication, my connection with the world, you know, through air, airlines and uh, shipping lines and telephone, the banking... It makes much easier to be in London to do business. Yes, I think if I was somewhere in else 
or West country somewhere, I wouldn't have made such a big impact as So I think stability is very important, and the British people, I must say, uh, are much more uh, sober than many other countries. People trust British people more uh, because they are more reliable. They're very, uh, you know, they're not that. Uh, there's no problem trusting people in the UK and people are very happy to do business with Great Britain the quality is best uh, the reputation is there and these the product we sell they have used them for 50 years 100 years their grandparents have used it so know, they know the brand and everything my customer is king if they lose money I make it good Simple, no question. If somebody said I lost 2000 3000 $4,000, $5,000, something happened. You know, some goods were damaged or there was a leak in the uh, uh, container, the water got straight away I pay. Because money I can always earn back. If I lose customer, he will take 10 more with him. My reputation is very important. You know what, how much can one customer cost me? And in, in the whole year, in the whole business of my nearly 30 years of business, I had to pay maybe three people. I had to pay 2,000 pounds to one, 3,000, 4,000 to another. You know, but total 10,000 pounds. And for that, I have sold those same customers millions of pounds of product. They have never left me, and they have actually given me 20 times more the profit which I gave them back. So you have to have a long-term view of a business. You know, you're not short-term. It might be 30 years, but I have never stopped. I've never been short of anything. But again, when you expect too much, you only get too much frustration in life. So I, I'm very happy. The risks are, you know, for example, sometimes currency fluctuation. Certainly if the pound becomes very strong, that will affect my export business. You know, sometimes petrol prices put the price up, oil. You know, okay. the, uh, the shipping cost, suddenly they bring a surcharge of 200 pound a container and if I'm shipping 15,000 containers a year, that puts a very big pressure on me. And sometimes it takes, I just can't be instant. I cannot instantly pass the uh, increase to my customer because I will upset them. So it's, it's a, we, we always take a long-term view. Uh, I, I voted to remain. I was a big supporter of David Cameron, so we did a lot of campaign, but Brexit happened, so now I've had a chance to consider, uh, then I've considered that we have been a trading nation for centuries. We have Commonwealth, we have old allies, America is a very good friend, uh, So and also it's very hard for 28 children of a fam father, family, to move in the same speed. Some want to sleep, some don't want to work, work some want to spend more. So to be tied to so many countries, we are not able to surge ahead as we can do deal with so many. Canada is ready to do deal with us. India is ready to do deal with us. China, Japan, America, South America, you know, Brazil. So there is a market beyond Europe as well. We are their customer. We buy from them. They are not going to bite their nose to spite the fact. Who's going to buy so many Mercedes? Jaguar, oh, sorry, uh, Mercedes, Audis, Porsches, BMWs, you know, you name it, we buy. Yes? So, and the wine, champagne, look how much we consume wines and champagne, perfume, the jewelry, and the Italian and Dolce Gabbana and all that. So we are a 
importer, net importer. Marks and Spencer buy so much, where will the Holland will sell? The, we can buy from Kenya, cheaper. So I think it is all people, some people will suffer, financial services, you know, if they have, but in the long run, it has always been the case that if one industry goes down, the other one comes up, so we may have much more, many more industries coming up. Yes, so I'm very optimistic that, uh, and the most important thing is, if you cannot control your borders, you cannot control your destiny. The world is becoming very dangerous. People can just travel. Uh, so we need to have our checks and balances. And on top of that, if we do well, we will attract more economic migrants. That will put pressure on the housing, the school, the NHS, and everything. So everybody will be unhappy in the, in the long run. Yes? So I think we need to be able to control how many people we want to let, let them in. Can we cope? And, and Britain will never close the door. It's been made with immigrants. People have come from... So we can always bring people in. So I, I'm quite optimistic. You know, this country is not Belgium. This country is Great Britain. Yes, we have connection long before. And we've only been in uh, EU uh, for 40 years. We've survived before, we'll survive after. And in 40 years, I think they've passed the sell-by date with the thing they're doing, uh, you know, bailing out current economy, you know, Portugal, Spain, sorry, uh, uh, Greece, Ireland. So I think we'll manage our own thing, we'll be all right. And they will do business with us, no problem at all. Because we are, we are number five economy. Nobody can buy what we can buy from out. Don't forget, there are 11 business leaders in this series, all with different stories about how they took a very simple idea and transformed it into a multi-million pound success. Sometimes traditional thinking really does pay. All of the interviews featured in Unsexy Business are also featured in my new book of the same name. There you can read the more in-depth stories behind these entrepreneurs and their impressive journeys to success. There's also one or two anecdotes that we couldn't possibly put into the podcast, along with hundreds of tips on how you can start and build a successful business too. If you get over to Amazon, you can buy a hard copy or digital version of Unsexy Business now. It is also for sale in most major bookshops, including Waterstones and WH Smith. And remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe on your podcast app. This means that you'll get each new episode automatically. Do join me next time, and until then, goodbye.